Praise the Lord. But that's not what you came here this morning to listen to. The Bible is so wonderful. You know, it addresses everything in our lives. Every single thing. All the answers is in the Word of God. Who believes that? Do you believe that this morning? And even our topic this morning, jealousy, is in the Bible. And we're going to look at that this morning. I want you to open up your Bible in John chapter 3. And we're going to read from verse 22. Now, this is the passage we looked at last week. And we're going to look at it again. Because we're going to, we're going to take something out of this. We're going to follow now in John chapter 3, verse 22. The Word of God says, After these things, Jesus and His disciples came into the land of Judea. And there He remained with them and baptized. Now John also was baptizing in Aion near Salem, because there were much water there. And they came and were baptized, for John had not yet been thrown into prison. Then there arose a dispute between some of John's disciples and the Jews about the purification. Last week we unpacked that all for you. And in verse 26 he says, And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi... He who was with you behind the Jordan, to whom you have testified, behold, he is baptizing. How dare he? Just think of that. Behold, he's baptizing. And all are coming to him. So John answered and said, A man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. I'm repeating that verse for you. And if it's your own Bible, underline it. Because this verse will strengthen you a lot. He says in that verse, A man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. You yourself bear me witness that I said, I'm not the Christ, but I've been sent before him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. Again, if it's your Bible, underline it. It will teach you something about humility. He who comes from above is above all. He who is from the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. And what he has seen and heard, that he testifies. And no one receives his testimony. He who has received his testimony has certified that God is true. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God. For God does not give the Spirit by measure. The Father loves the Son and He gives, has given all things into His hands. Or into his hand. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. So this is the passage, and, and you remember last week we unpacked it a little bit around the baptisms. And I showed you a few baptisms there. When we look at verse 26, and that's the verse, our, our main verse for the day. When we look at verse 26, we see how these disciples of John the Baptist come to him. And they say, there are people out there who's baptizing. But we are baptizing. Remember, John the Baptist was the one who came after 400 years of silent years. All of a sudden, he appeared and he looked like a prophet. And he started baptizing in the Jordan, down at a place called Betabara. And everybody came to him. All came to him. The Pharisees even sent people down there to go and see what this commotion is all about. And they engaged in him and he said, I'm baptizing you for the remission of sins, for the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So that's a good message. It pulls crowds. And then we know the situation that when Jesus came there, that He was baptized by John. So that acknowledged the ministry of John the Baptist. 
And then we have everything that happened and, and how Jesus went and he, he chased out all of those animals out of the temple. You remember that? And now after those things, after that, they go into the region and Jesus' disciples is now baptizing people with the same baptism as John the Baptist. So if you look at it from the outside, it might look like a copycat ministry. In fact, I reckon that's the way that John's disciples saw it. Now it says that there were some Jews that came around and there was a dispute concerning, concerning the purification. And we unpacked it and saw that they were talking about the baptisms. Now imagine yourself, more people came on and they were standing around and they asked a question to John the Baptist's disciples. They say, what is this purification that you guys do? Because over there they are baptizing the same thing. So there's a dispute going on. And all of these things comes into the mind of these disciples so that they go back to their rabbi. And it is amazing difference, isn't it? If everybody loves you until you become a competition, isn't it? Everybody loves you. Oh, you are my brother and you're so good. But just become a competition to that person. And that love changes into contentiousness. And all of a sudden, it is not just stroking the brother around the shoulder, but you're feeling now where you can put the knives in his back. Now look at these, these men's words here. They come to him and they say, Rabbi, he was with you beyond the Jordan to whom you have testified. Behold, he's baptizing and all are coming to him. That sounds like a really innocent statement until you see the exclamation mark. It's now not just a general word that they say to him. He says, look, Rabbi, there's now a little bit of feeling because there's competition. Rabbi, he who was with you beyond the Jordan, and listen to this, to whom you have testified. Look, he's now competition to us. He, he says he's baptizing and all are coming to him, exclamation mark. In other words, who does he think he is? You see, I get a strong feeling coming from these men of envy and jealousy. A little bit of envy coming up in them and jealousy. Envy is an unhappy or an angry feeling of wanting to have what somebody else has. And let me just tell you this morning, it affects every single person sitting in this hall this morning. If it's not today, it affected you in the past and it might affect you in the future. You see, envy is a thing. It comes through the fallen nature. I'm going to show you that in a minute. In Exodus chapter 20 verse 17, we remember part of, of the commandments. He says, you shall not covet, slash envy, slash wish you have, slash put any single word you want into that place. That means you shall not want what another has. He says, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife. Don't we see a lot of that going on in the world right now? Nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything, nor anything that is your neighbor's. You shall not covet it. In other words, you shall not have a strong, unhappy, angry feeling of wanting to have what they have. So, on the other hand, jealousy, listen to this now, is the fear that something which we possess will be taken away by another person. That is where jealousy comes from. And it plays in a lot of places in a job. If uh, you're in a position in a company and somebody else comes in and they're on your same level and the boss starts, starts talking around, you are going to work together on it, uh, a sense of jealousy might come in. A fear might come in that this person is going to take over what belongs to you. It is also in possessions. But more so, more so, it happens between couples. More. You remember when you were young? 
You remember when you've met your first love? And you remember when somebody else came with a nice, smarter car than yours? And they were also looking at the same girl than you are looking? What happens? You started becoming jealous on that. And let me say that jealousy, jealousy, listen, is one of the, the worst things that can happen to a relationship. Because it brings control. Listen, we're going to talk straight this morning, aren't we? We're going to say it as it is. Envy and jealousy. It is a fear. It is an anxiety. It can happen with children. I mean, we are living in a world where there's separations going on and it can happen with children. And there can be the fear that, that somebody come, might come and take my children away. And that becomes a jealousy. Now, the question is, where did this come from? Remember when I said we are born with this now. I want to take you, and it's just this morning I thought I'll go down this uh, trail here. But you have to do some Bible work now, okay? I want you to go with me now to the book of Isaiah. Open up in your Bible in Isaiah. I want to show you where jealousy, where envy started in the Word of God. It's in the Old Testament. And we're going to Isaiah chapter 14. Some of you know where I'm going. Isaiah chapter 14. I want to show you the master of jealousy. I want to show you the master of envy. And his name is Lucifer. So we go to Isaiah chapter 14. And we're going to read from verse 12. The Word of God says, How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground. Now look in your Bible, the next verse. He says, you who weakened the nations. You see that? You who weakened the nations. Now we're talking this morning about jealousy. We're talking about envy. And let me tell you this morning that jealousy and envy will weaken you. It will not make you stronger. It will not build you. It will not encourage you. It will not build your faith. It's going to make you weaker. Everything that Satan, everything that Lucifer dishes up for you and for me, it might look good. I'm going to show that to you in a minute. But know this, at the start of it, it will weaken you. It will weaken your spiritual man, your inner man. Step away from it. If you want to grow strong, go to Jesus Christ. Follow Him. It sounds to me as if we've said those words so many times in the last few weeks, didn't we? Follow Him. Just follow Jesus. Grow in Him. So it says here, You who weakened the nations. Now see this now. For you have said in your heart. Where does it start? In the heart. You see that? You have said in your heart. Right in here. You see, that's where jealousy starts. It starts right there where nobody can see. And that, what goes from the heart, goes to the head. And it messes with your, your mind, with your thoughts. And you become paranoid. And paranoia is driving a lot of people today. But I've got good news for you. His name is Jesus Christ. Now look at this. He says, for you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. Now notice all the eyes. I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation, on the farther sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. You see those words? In other words, Lucifer is standing there and he envies God. Lucifer is standing there and he's jealous of God. He envies him. There's the words right there. He says, I will be like the most God. And that is where the seed is planted. It started in the heart. He wanted to be God. And this is the same today. How many times have you looked at somebody else and you say, I want to be like that person. And look, we are living in a culture which gives it to our children. It's called Hollywood. 
You see the movies? They, they give our young children, our young daughters, a picture of a successful woman. And they say, you've got to be skinny and you've got to be all of these things. And what does all the young, young girls say? I want to be like her. I want to be like him. And the young men, they, they show them six packs, don't they? And big body masses. And they go, wow, that is, a, that is success. They are dishing up to our children a life of immorality and they are calling it success. It is a shame. It is an abysmal shame what the world is giving our young people and, and they say that is success. Immorality. Just go around and do what you want to do. Consequences, worry about that when you're old. You see, this is where the whole root of the problem starts. People want to be somebody else. One person told me one day, he said, Son, you just be the best you you can be. Well, that in a way is correct and it's also not correct. I'm the best what Christ wants me to be. Otherwise, that first statement might become a little bit of a selfish statement. It's not about me. It's about Him. It's about Him in me. But here we find in the passage now where He says, I will be like the Most High. In other words, I want to be like Him. And be careful that you do not sit here today and say, wow, if I can only be like that successful person in the company. You are successful if you are blood-washed, born child of God. God directs your footsteps and you're successful where He wants you to be successful. Now let's follow this now. Because you say, but that's Lucifer. How did it enter into mankind? Let's go to Genesis now. Go with me to Genesis now. This is good teaching. Listen to this. Genesis, and we know in chapter 3, uh, how the serpent came into the garden. I'm just saving time here. I'm not going to go through chapter 2. And how God just said to Adam, thou shalt not eat of the tree. We know all of that. And now we get into chapter 3 and, and Lucifer comes into the garden. And, and we pick this up in verse 5. When he starts talking to Eve, he attacks the deity of Christ and he attacks the Word. Okay, That's the same attack that he did in the Garden of Eden. It's the same attack today. Lucifer, through all of his agents and everybody, attacks the deity of Christ and attacks the Word of Christ. That Jehovah Witness I was talking about, what did they deny? The deity of Christ. Oh, they proclaim the whole, the Word of Christ. No, no. They, if, you, if you attack the deity of Christ, you've lost the Word. Because the foundation is wrong. But here we find it now in verse 5. He says, this is Lucifer now speaking to Eve. He says, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. Now listen to this. And you will be God. Remember back in Isaiah chapter 14, what did he say? I will be like the Most High. I will be God. So in other words, I envy God. Now, he plants that same thing in Eve. He says, you will be God. Wow! Wow! Gee, really? You want to say that I can be like God who created every single thing? And let me shock you. There are people in some churches who proclaim that they are small messiahs. They are small gods. I want to say this morning, they are wrong. They're not even sincerely wrong. They are just wrong. Okay? They are just totally wrong. But here he comes to Eve now and he says, You will be God. In other words, don't be happy with who you are and what you are. You can be better. Somebody wrote a book like that, Your Best Life Now. <laughs> I won't go into that. But you can be better. Don't be satisfied with yourself as you are. And this is what he comes to Eve. She had everything going for her. See, the, a loving husband, there was no competition. It was only Eve. She had a lovely husband, had a lovely house, the Garden of Eden. It's better than any palace you can have today. Doesn't matter whether they are gold lined out or anything. She was living in the pit. No disease, nothing. Everything going for them. But wait a minute. There is something better. And that is where envy starts. If you always think there's something better. And jealousy. 
And now you see the devices coming out, how that drive. Now the seed is planted, and when you plant the seed, you need to water it. Now you're going to see in the next verse, the three devices that drives that seed to grow. Look at this now. It's in the Bible. It's, it's right there. He says now in verse... Uh, let me read verse 5 again. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be God, knowing good and evil. So, everybody say so. I just want to make sure you're with me. So, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that's the first one. She saw. And, and by the way, this is what Hollywood uses to entice you and me and our children. It is first visual. When she saw that the food was good, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree desirable to make one wise, the pride of life. Those are the three driving forces that drive that seed of envy to become to fruition. She took of the fruit and she ate. Why? She saw it was desirable and it gives pride of life. The same happens today. The same happens today. The, the, the marketing world is attached onto this. They don't read the Bible, but they attach onto this. Because as you, as you get the Bible on this side, you get Satan with his counterfeit on this side. And he will use everything, every single thing to entice people and to, to hook them, to get them. Now, I, w- I want to show you, because you say that's the Old Testament. Flick over with me now to 1 John. The letter of John. Uh, it's through the ages. It's, it's, it's right through. It's nothing new under the sun. We come to 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. Are we learning something this morning? Praise the Lord. Chap- 1 John chapter 2. Look at verse, verse 15. The letters of John now, it's not the gospel. It's to the back of the Bible. Uh, just before Revelation, uh, just before Jude, you get 1 John. So we look at chapter 2. Look, look at verse 15. Uh, now, John writes this out, okay? He says, Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, look at this. Remember what I showed you in Genesis? Those three driving forces? We find it here in the New Testament. Because it, it, and it's the same today. Look at this now in verse 16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh... The lust of the eyes and the pride of life. You see those three? It's driving it. It's driving envy. It's driving you and me to think we want what they have. It's driving us not to be satisfied with what we've got. It's driving jealousy. It's driving, and let me say it again, it is weakening you. Well, it's not my words, it's the Word of God. He says, it's not of the Father, but it is of the world. We know it's of the world because we saw it in Genesis now, how it came into the world. So don't be deceived, dear friends. Now this is in verse 17. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Hallelujah, praise the Lord, and Amen. I take encouragement out of the Word. Do you? You know what it says? It says that if I abide in the Lord, I will abide forever with Him. So there you see where it comes out. So I'm not surprised when I see these men come to John. I'm not surprised at all. When they walk up to him and they go, Hey, Rabbi, look at that guy. He's baptizing the same baptism. He's stealing your ministry. He's stealing it. I'm not surprised by that. Now I want to go back to our passage and I want to identify four things, four facts about jealousy in our passage. And I want you to measure, as I'm doing it myself, measure yourself against these four things that we can pick out of our passage. The first thing we pick up is you know you are jealous when you are unhappy about somebody else's good news. You know that you are envious slash jealous if you are unhappy about somebody else's good news. 
verse 22, and after these things, Jesus and His disciples came into the land and they were baptizing. You see that? That's baptizing. And John was also baptizing. So there you've got this conflict going on. Now, you would think at this point in time, that's good news, isn't it? That is fantastic. Because now it's not only one baptizing and preaching, there's two. And so there might be three, four, five, six. So you might think, wow, that is fantastic. Is that the same thought that you had when you read that verse? Look, there's Jesus, and there is John, and wait a minute, can't we get a Peter ministry on? And, and everybody, oh, that would be, we are doing it, don't we? Spread the gospel. How did you feel when somebody else came around and they, they tell you about something good that happened in their life? Did you feel happy for them or did you feel unhappy for them? That's, that's one of the first telling things. And look, like I showed you before, it starts in the heart where no one can see. So you might be standing there with the biggest grin on your face and they were telling you all of these nice things and they are happy about it, but here on the inside you are cringing. You go... Only you will know. And you can't lie for yourself and you can't lie to God. There was a godly Scottish preacher and he penned the following things into his diary. Listen to these words because it encapsulates everything we're saying. He says, This day, 20 years ago, I preached for the first time as an ordained minister. 20 years of ministry. It is amazing that the Lord has spared He spared me and used me at all. I have no reason to wonder that He used others far more than He does me. Yet, this man of 20 years, this minister, yet envy is my hurt. It's hurting me, envy. And today, I've been seeking grace to rejoice exceedingly over the usefulness of others even where it cast me into the shade. Lord, take away this envy from me. You see what I said in the beginning? It touches every single person. It came into the minds of John the Baptist's disciples. And they went to him and with an exclamation mark, they were not happy about the good news of Jesus and his disciples baptizing. They were not happy about it. And in fact, if you look at that statement further on, and all are coming to Him. That's good news, isn't it? You would think so, but not to them. And this is how you would know sitting here today that you are jealous if somebody gives good news and you are not happy about their good news. The second thing that will show you that you are jealous is... You reduce their accomplishments. You reduce their accomplishments. Uh, they do something fantastic and you say, Oh, you look, it's not as good as you think it was actually. <laughs> you know, it was not, you know, you're a little bit over the top there. Or, uh, or you think, look, I can do it better. You know, oh, that, that was all great, mate. That look, by far. But right in here you go, yeah, you know, think I, I could have done it better. And look, I'm talking about envy and jealousy. I'm talking if they were really good at that. You're always trying to diminish and break down the accomplishments. Now, that's not such a big issue, you might say. You know what the word says in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 34? He says, for jealousy makes a man furious. Have you seen that? I've seen a few people furious because they were jealous. It makes them furious. And, and, and one thing about furiousness, did I use that right? Is that right? Furiousness. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I don't care, I'm just going to say it. One thing about furiousness is this, it wants to destroy the other one. That's what the word fury means, isn't it? I want to take all my fury out against him. So while everybody is doing accolades and go, oh, great job, great job, right inside you, you go, I'm going to put my fury against that person. And that's what Proverbs says. It's not my words. He says it right there, 6 verse 34. For jealousy makes a man furious, and he will not spare when he takes revenge. 
Envy is a nasty thing. They say jealousy makes you. Come on. Jealousy makes you nasty. And that's the same thing here. You see, they could have rejoiced in this. But there was a dispute with these Jews. And then after this dispute, there were two baptisms going on. They came to him. And they say, all are coming to him. You should be glad. But, but you see, they, they want to break him down. Why should he do this? The third thing that will show you that you are envious or jealous is you avoid them. You just avoid them. Even just the mention of their main name make you go, oh. I was uh, as a youth leader in the church in South Africa dealing with a young man. He was so in love with this one girl in the church. But you see, there was another boy in the church as well. And he was driving a particular car. And I'll tell you what, I was sitting with him and we were talking this through and he goes, I can't take him, I can't, I won't mention the other guy's name, otherwise there's, no, no, there's nobody with that name here. But anyway, he goes, every time I hear that, he says, but even the car, I've got a dislike in all of these type of cars now. And you see what happens? It, it is, I don't like that breed of dog as well now. You see, he spoiled that for me as well. And the cats, white cats. He's got a white cat. I don't like white cats as well now. It just spoils my life. You see, it weakens you. And then you come to this point of you just want to avoid them. You just don't want to, to be seen around there. You know, you pull back into your little shell and you shelter yourself and you put up all of these walls around you. It could be a sign of jealousy and envy. Just avoid them. And every time they talk to them, you just you you know you get this funny feeling going on here. And you know it's not because you're hungry, because you just had your lunch. But you know it's that feeling about you just want to avoid. But you see, it becomes nasty. Like I say, you know, it it, it comes to a point where even when you're in their midst, you're avoiding them. I've seen it so many times. You know, I observe a lot. I like to look at people. You could be in a group of people and you could see that if some one person starts talking, there's an avoidance going. You know what I'm talking about? You see there's no eye contact. Or people could (laughs) shake their heads. But nothing is happening. You could have fooled yourself because you ain't fooling me. You see, this all plays together into this fact. It's one of the things that happens is that avoidance going on and, and pray, you know, let's pray the Lord that it doesn't happen to us, that we always accommodate everybody. Um, so the last thing I want to show you, the fourth thing that happens. In fact, let me show you the passage. I, I'm so ahead of myself, I need to go back and prove it out of the Word. It's avoiding them. Look at this. This is classic, okay? This is just showing the point so good. He says it there in verse 25, John 3:25. Then there arose this dispute. We know about that, okay? And look at this now. They come to John the Baptist. They say, Rabbi, he who was with you beyond the Jordan, to whom you testified... Do you want to tell me they didn't know his name? Have you picked up on that? Wait a minute, where were you? They knew he was with him beyond the Jordan. They knew that he was baptizing Jesus. They knew that their rabbi, before he baptized Jesus, was talking about Jesus. Then Jesus came. Then Jesus was baptized by him. Then there was this, the, the, the heavens opened up. Then the Spirit came down. Then there was the voice. Then they, all of the time, John the Baptist is talking and pointing towards Jesus. Yet now when jealousy and envy is blinding and blurring their vision, all of a sudden they've got him. Oh, who's that guy again? Oh, what's his name? Jesus. All they could have said is, Jesus. But you see, it's this thing of avoidance. It's this thing of dislike. We're not even going to name him now. It's that guy, that person who was with you, to whom you have testified, and they throw him just in there. You've done so much good to him. See what he's doing now. 
See what he's doing now. He's got a name and his name is Jesus. Praise the Lord. Number four, you know you are jealous when you feel a need to compete with them. You feel a need. This is where the Joneses were born. You remember the Joneses? <laughs> the Joneses buy a car, tomorrow we buy the same car. The Joneses buy a boat, tomorrow buy the same boat. The Joneses move house to a mansion, we buy the mansion next to the Joneses. And in the meantime, we're driving around in that flash car with a big smile, but it's not a smile, it is a pool of pain of the worries inside of paying the bills. That's the Joneses for you. You see, one of the things about jealousy and envy is you start to feel a need to compete with these, with these people. John chapter 3 verse 25, they say, all are coming to him. Hey, hey, Rabbi John, can we just up the marketing budget? Can we throw out pamphlets? Man, can we bring our chairs and put them now? Let's do things different. Let's attract the crowds different than they do. Because they are getting all the crowds. We are doing something wrong. Our marketing is wrong. Look, let's just throw everything into that. Let's make it more cool. I'll, I'll be calmer. <laughs> let's make it cool. Let's put chairs there. Let's play soft music while you preach your gospel and while you, while you baptize people. Hey, hey, Rabbi, why don't you not say sinners? Repentance. Just soften the words. Because they are saying it. We need to be better. Can you look? There is so much competition going on in the churches today. You wouldn't believe it. The amount of money being spent in churches. I spoke to a man two weeks ago. He had a company, listen to this, a company who was doing the effects for, for other businesses. So if you put on a, a, um, a conference, they will come in and they will do the lighting and every single thing and the PowerPoints and so on. He had on his book a church year in Melbourne who was paying him per year $250,000 to get the lighting right in the church there were two smoke machines in there. He was telling it in my office. He's working for me. That was his business. A budget of $250,000 a year just to make the place cool. I won't even tell you what the budget is for your song. But I want to say this that the people who signs every single check for that budget will one day stand before the creator of this universe. And if it was me, I would have done the following. I would have played a video of people going hungry every single night whilst they jump up and down in a cool environment. Judgment is coming. It is coming. So here we find it, you know, that, that need to compete with them. That need to, to bring in more. And, and you know, maybe when, when we're going to baptize now, let's get some ropes for them, you know. They're not cool. They come in the clothes, but let's get some more ropes. And if they follow with ropes, let's get some white ropes with some gold lining on it. People get crazy about this. But you see, we laugh at them, but we do the same thing. We see somebody do good and we want what they've got. We're not satisfied. So this is, this is the four things, you know. People are, all of these things, you know that you, you become jealous and envious of these things. So how does John address this? And we're going to see just one thing. Just one thing. I've broken it up in three, but it's just one thing. He takes them back to Christ. Because the healing for everything in your life is Jesus Christ. If you want to get rid of jealousy, if you want to get rid of envy, if you want to get rid of anger, if you want to get rid of depression, if you put it everything in there, I tell you today, I'm not asking, Jesus Christ is the answer to every single problem of mankind. 
every single one of them. And you want to know where it starts? It starts when you come to Him and you submit to Him and He born you from above. You see, before all of this, He spoke to Nicodemus and He said, you must be born again. But the problem these days is people want to walk in the world and then serve God on the weekends. You have to come to Him. Submit. We sing that song, I surrender all. You have to surrender all to Him. And once He takes control of your life, He sorts it out. Oh yes, these things will come and knock on the door and they will come and trouble you because we are still living in this world. Paul says, he says, Oh wretched man that I am. Present tense. He was a safe man when he said that. Who will save me from this body of sin? So let's see how he addressed this. You see, at this point in time, John could have said, yes, because he had the following, you feel the negative vibe going on about this, going on now. He could have said, yeah, who, who does he think he is? Yes. Some leaders do that. They're influenced by their people. But not this man. See what he does. He, he realized that everyone has their own path in life. That is one of the first steps that you get away from envy and jealousy. Realize that you and I have got your own path in life. And you can't walk my path for me. You can't. He says it there. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. You can't receive anything. Everything you've got is given to you from heaven. I've got a pair of shoes here. I wear ten and a halves. Sometimes when my feet are swollen, I go to elevens. So if you want to come and walk in my moccasins, feel free. I'll take my shoes off. You can step in them and walk in my feet. And you can say, well, I'm walking in John's feet. But that's not what it is, is it? You have to live my life. You see, you might see me smiling, but you don't know maybe the struggles that I've got. You've got to live through my struggles. It's, it's nice to grab the nice things, but when the difficult things come, I bet you you might say, Whoa, those shoes are too big for me now. I want to jump into my smaller shoes again and walk my life. That's one of the first things, is realizing that everyone has his own path in life. And your path has been given to you from heaven. God has directed your path for you. Look, I'm only preaching to you, but I can't direct it for you. You need to come to Christ. The Bible says that He directs our footsteps in the, in the book of Psalms. The Bible says in Psalm chapter 1, it talks about the righteous man and following God through His Word. Now I can direct you to a better way. And that is the Word. You see, a man can receive nothing unless it's been given to him from heaven. Now let's take that verse and we, we apply the definition of envy to it. Remember, envy is having this, this feeling of getting what somebody else has. If you realize that what you've got is given to you by God, then you are satisfied with what God has given you. Then that takes your focus away from what others have. And then you go on your knees and say, Father, I thank you for what I have. You've given me a, a roof over my head, shoes on my feet, clothes on me, I can eat and I've got a loving family. If we can only live this. You see, he's really a clever man, John. He directs them straight away to heaven. And then he says, you yourself bear me witness that I said I'm not the Christ, but I've been sent before Him. He then acknowledges that I'm not Him. Hey, look at that man. You remember who he was? You see, John, he says it right. He names him. He says, I'm not the Christ. That man you are talking about is Christ. And his disciples are baptizing there. I like this verse. He says, He who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. You see, that's the point he makes. There's the bridegroom, and I am his friend. Now, remember when I said one of the things, signs of being jealous, is avoiding 
He's not avoiding. He's standing next to the bridegroom. He hears his voice and what happens? He rejoices in that. And then he says, he must increase, but I'm a de- it's a sign of humility. You see, Paul knew this when Paul was in his ministry. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5, he says, Who then is Paul? What? If you ask people today, who's Paul? He wrote most of the New Testament. I would think, wow, Paul is a very important person. But Paul didn't see it that way. He didn't break himself down. He didn't put himself down. No, no. He says, who is Paul? He just put it into perspective. And who is Apollos? Apollos, you remember, was the man who came around and who was preaching in the areas there? He says, who's Apollos? But ministers through whom you believed as the Lord gave to each. Even in ministry, there's there's to each one of us a ministry. And it's never the same. Yet I see so many ministers getting jealous on each other. Envying each other. I can truly say I envy nothing that we have other than this morning. I'll be back next Sunday, open up the Bible and preach the Word again. And people who come here to to hear the Word, I'll proclaim it to them. Because you know what I stand on? A man can receive nothing unless it has been given him to heaven. Oh, why don't you advertise and go out and see if you can build as big as the other churches? No, no, no. That's not our mission. You see, the Lord acts daily whom He wants to act. I stand by that. And what we get is from heaven. And what you have is from heaven. I better continue on. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. Listen to Paul again. He says, For I say through the grace given to me. Grace comes from heaven. He says, From the grace given to me. To everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. You see, therein lies the problem. But to think soberly as God has dealt to each one of him with measure. Each one. You see, you realize that everyone has their own path. And everyone is unique on that path. I can't live your life for you. You've got enough grace to live your own life. And that's God's grace. Secondly, Jesus is the answer to envy and jealousy. Who knows that? That's what he said. He points towards them. He does that by declaring his deity and his sovereignty. Look at verse 31. He who comes from above is above all, and he who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. And he, and what he has seen and heard that he testifies, and no one receives his testimony, he who has received the testimony has certified that God is true. For he whom has God, who God has sent speaks the word of God, for God does not give the Spirit by measure. So what is John doing here? He's just putting everything in place. Friend, you and I are lost without God. Lost, totally lost. Let me put it to you this way. Your next heartbeat is dependent on Him. Your next thought processes is dependent on Him. You say, explain the thought processes. Go and ask somebody who had a stroke and you will understand. Dear friends, we are so dependent. He says, he who comes from above is above all. And we are earthen vessels. You and I are still earthen vessels. Did you realize that? We are still made out of clay. Oh, but wait a minute. I was born from a mother and a father. Uh, The last time when I checked, when I gave my mom a hug, she was in a pot of clay. She was flesh and bone. You know, it feels different to hug a pot of clay and hug a person. It feels different. I get that. But eventually, you and I came from clay. We were born or made out of clay, Adam. We are from the earth and God is from above. He puts that, he puts it in so that you and I can know where the posterity of his spirit is. It is with him. And then finally, Jesus has authority and power. Look at this in verse 35. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hands. 
He who believes in the Son has everlasting life and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life but wrath abides in him. Have you noticed something in the way that John answered them? He didn't mention anything about those baptisms they were going on about. Yes? Hey Jesus, that man who was with you beyond the Jordan whom you've testified, he's baptizing and all is coming to him. He made no reference of that. Have you noticed? Because it ain't an issue for him. So that thing that is an issue for you, take it out of the way and concentrate on God. Concentrate on that which is from above. That is what His message is to you and me. Concentrate on God. Because the Father loves Him and all things is in His hands. I want to follow the One who's got everything in His hand. yes? Not the One who's got nothing in His hands. And in his hands is every single thing. What things? What things is given into his hands? Let me just mention two to you. All power is in his hands. He says it in Matthew 28 verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. All power, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Do you want to follow somebody who's got delegated authority or do you want to follow somebody who's got all authority? I think it's perfectly clear who you want to follow. And again, I want to emphasize because I'm talking about jealousy. He just unpacked the whole thing for them. He just took the sting out of it. I can imagine... And most probably with my nature, I can see myself as one of those disciples coming up to Rabbi John the Baptist. And I go, Rabbi, look at what he's doing over there. And the more John unpacks it and shows us and points toward Christ, the more I can see myself standing a little bit back, standing a little bit back, standing a little bit back, and becoming smaller and smaller myself. And then thinking about myself, how could I have not seen that? And then the other thing that's given to him is all grace. All grace. Roman, can you just call the only I'm nearly finished to come and play for us. In John chapter 1 verse 14, look at this where he says, And the word became flesh and dwelled amongst us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. All grace is given to him. Why did I just point these two out? Because if you have power without grace, it's dangerous. I can give you an illustration. I mean, we've got one baby in, in, in the church, don't we? One baby. And, and I, 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 I want to believe I've still got a lot of power in my muscles. Yes? I, I still want to believe I can break some stuff with my power, sheer power. Now, if I take that little baby boy and I say, come here, Andre, and I, I say, I want to give you a hug and I just keep on hugging, what's going to happen? I'm going to hurt the boy. Yes? But what do I need? I need grace with the power. I need the grace to be able to pick up that baby and to say, look, I know I've got the power, but this power is under control. Not to break but to lovingly embrace that is power and grace. So this morning as you, as you sit there and you think, Lord, help me, because it affects us all. I showed you. I took you back to Genesis. showed you how the father of lies, the one instead of Christ came and he planted the seed. The driving factors behind that, that wants to drive it. Look, and then I showed you out of the word of God that he weakens the people and He wants to weaken you and me by making you envious and jealous. Do not let Him do that. Yet still do what John the Baptist say. Come to Jesus. Come to the Father through Jesus. Because He's full of grace and full of power. And He will help you. Let's pray.